The reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 11, starting at verse 25, which is to be found on page 977 of the Church Bibles. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word and pray that by your Holy Spirit you would reveal Jesus afresh to us this morning. And we pray this in his holy name. Amen. Well, it is marvellous to be here and to look round and see familiar faces as well as uh, new faces as well and to be working with Guy It is marvellous when you're in the autumn of your ordained life to see the future and rejoice so that one can go to one's grave in peace. Uh, I was reminded by Donald this morning quite how long it has been since I came here as a curate, which wasn't quite the most encouraging welcome uh, that I'd looked for, but nevertheless the truth often hurts. And uh, so I took it as a word from the Lord. And of course, when you come back here, it's, uh, it's always good because you have lots of memories. And to come here to a service where the curate is leading Holy Communion reminds me of when I was in that situation in the late 1990, early 1991. We then had in Chester Square a distinguished former prime minister living and who would occasionally come to church uh, here at St. Michael's, preceded, of course, by sniffer dogs and police. And on that particular Sunday morning, uh, Lady Thatcher came and joined us together with Dennis and, uh, and her security people. And it came to communion. In those days, it may well still be the case, we always um, gave people uh, uh, the, the, the elements, the bre- bread and the wine, with, um, and used their Christian names. So, you know, the body of Christ, Fred or Julie or, well, it's... Um, St. Michael's Chester Square, isn't it? So Rupert, Samantha, Fiona, that kind of thing. And I saw this happening, and I was giving uh, the bread to someone. I gave it to Dennis, the body of Christ, Dennis. When it came to Mrs. Thatcher, my heart failed me, I have to say. (laughs) All I could say was, the body of Christ, Prime Minister, and move on. And I was shaking hands at the door, and she said, Oh, very good service. I liked that you sometimes use thee and thou. I think I'd used it once, but I think it was her agenda, not necessarily the PCCs. I said, It's very nice to see you. I hope you'll come back soon. She said, I shall. She said, Just one thing. I said, Oh, thinking, what's she going to say? She said, I'm no longer Prime Minister. 
And it's just a poignant moment, I have to say. And I don't know what came over me. I just said to her, you'll always be prime minister to me. (laughs) And she turned to Dennis and said, what an excellent curate we have here. (laughs) Dennis, of course, looked at me with that look and said, I've just spent nine months trying to explain to her that she isn't. We come to church, and what do you do? You undo all the good work that I've been setting up. So, but I know that in Guy, you have a much more effective, efficient, bold, courageous uh, curate. Uh, so, uh, you're, you're settled, no matter what VIP comes. But today, we're reflecting on the gentleness, that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a quality often preached about, uh, but one clearly present in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see it in the way that he deals with the Samaritan woman in John 3, with the widow of Nain, uh, and particularly after the resurrection, we see it in his conversation with the Apostle Peter, where the Lord Jesus commissions Peter afresh after the spiritual disasters in Peter's life that began in the Garden of Gethsemane on Monday, Thursday. And in these verses we had read a few moments ago from Matthew's Gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ himself uh, talks of himself as gentle. And the more we reflect on these verses, the more we understand that this quality often sidelined in our churches, we understand or begin to what it means. It's not a call to be feeble, for there is a strength in real gentleness. It's a call to be distinctive, to be Christ-like in the circumstances in which we find ourselves. We see this Lord Jesus speaking firstly of the God who surprises. And we saw that in verses 25 and 26. At this, that time, uh, Matthew tells us, The Lord Jesus only recently finished a preaching and healing tour in the series of lakeside towns round Galilee and have been amazed and disappointed at the almost total lack of any serious spiritual response. People have been happy to witness miracles, excited by new and fresh things happening. For there had been a spiritual hardness that had resisted any personal change. The Lord Jesus, though, as we see here, had seen beyond his own surprise and disappointment to the bigger picture of his heavenly Father's plan, plan outlined in the second half of verse 25. He was excited and delighted by what he realized that God was showing him in the midst of his confusion and disappointment. His father hadn't actually been expecting much from those who might, uh, people might have thought, had been in the vanguard spiritually, but had made the surprising decision to engage with the most unlikely people. Lord Jesus uses the illustration of children, which is both actual but metaphorical. Those who were trusting enough 
in God to take risks. Those who are open enough to be ready to get on board and respond to all that his Heavenly Father was doing. We too are God's surprising choice. You and I, he's reached out and trusted us enough to come to us in grace knowing that our hearts were ready to respond. He saw in us something that he knew would respond to him and surprise both ourselves and others. I am, among my many other jobs, chaplain to the Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales. Now, those of you who don't know many chartered accountants will think of them as grey, unexciting people. Yet let me tell you, when they gather to party, they are utterly, utterly amazing and generous. As part of the job of chaplain, I go to lectures which I don't understand, seminars where I've thought well in advance the two sentences I'm going to say in an appropriately learned sort of way. And then there are dinners and lunches at which I say grace and have fascinating conversations with people, often those who wouldn't uh, instinctively uh, talk and be open with other people. I remember one dinner, great annual dinner at the Institute, I was sitting opposite uh, a chap who'd recently retired. He had a reputation in the profession in the city generally for being pretty ruthless. He was highly successful uh, as an accountant. Uh, we, you know, we exchange pleasantries as one does on these occasions. Halfway through the meat course, he said to me, Jeremy, I've been confirmed. I said, confirmed? Confirmed? He said, yes. He said, it's a Church of England service. You may have come across it. I said, oh, yes, I have. That's absolutely true. I said, what on earth happened? And then suddenly realized that was a slightly judgmental tone of voice uh, we used to address him. Well, he said, I retired and thought uh, nothing would change. But, of course, it did. And, um, you know, I've always supported the local church, sent them a check at Christmas, sent my wife and children to go to church. I've often been traveling, been far too busy. I said, oh, yes, I said, such was your reputation. And uh, he said, never mind that. He said, uh, after about six weeks, I thought retirement does bring change. So I went to see the local vicar. He was very surprised when I appeared on his doorstep. He said, I, want to talk. I said to him, I want to talk to you about God. He was particularly surprised, I think, and disappeared to make a cup of coffee and some biscuits. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had a quick drink to give him the courage uh, to face me. He said, I went back to him two or three times. He said, I suddenly realized what I was like and that I was there because God was reaching out to me in Jesus. It was a terrible surprise, he said. But he said, my wife tells me I've changed. And the God who surprises, the God who surprised his son that day and surprises you and me again and again as we walk with Jesus, wants to see us change. The more we know ourselves, the more honest we are with ourselves, the more amazed we will be by God's grace and generosity. On the day recorded in this extract, the Lord Jesus responded as he did 
because he'd glimpsed his father's strategy. If we're to work with the Spirit to see God, to display a Christ-like gentleness, it starts with you and me being astonished again and again at his love. I didn't know what song we were going to sing this morning, but I have to say it's always summed up for me by the verse which we might have sung had we stuck to the script. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He took my sin and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. To sing of grace like that begins to allow the Holy Spirit to dissolve pride, a wrong concern with image or the opinion of others, a hardness of heart which can come with the years. It leaves us seeking to reflect more of the qualities that are valued by Jesus, to seek his perspective, to receive the gentleness which we see in him and he longs to see in us. The Lord Jesus speaks firstly of a God who surprises and secondly of the God who reaches out to us and who does so with that quality of gentleness that the Lord Jesus uses here to describe himself. This engagement begins with a summary of his mission, a reflection on his relationship with his father in verse 27, and continues with that remarkable invitation in verse 28. Come to me, he says. He doesn't force us, he invites us. Gentleness never coerces, tries to control, never diminishes, robs us of the ability to decide, never undermines people or takes away their dignity. We're human beings made in the image of God. And here we see the Lord Jesus reaching out. Come to me, he says. But he leaves the choice to us. He takes the initiative, longs to engage, but does so because he sees us weary and burdened. The weary, of course, are those for whom life has been pretty demanding. Those who've known the fruit of success and achievement, but also its cost. Those who've known the frustration of caring the sadness that flows from relationships that haven't worked out, the loneliness that can come with ambition, the anxiety about the future, the hopelessness and the lassitude that accompanies a sense of failure. Whether you're successful in the world's eyes or not, Jesus understands what it means to be weary. And those who are burdened are people for whom their faith has not fulfilled its promise, who are burnt 
out spiritually or on the way to that. Oh, Jesus never uses words carelessly, does he? He uses them so carefully. Those whom their faith hasn't fulfilled its promise, who've never felt good enough, never felt they lived up to God's expectations, who struggled with particular sins and never felt they have overcome them, whose experience of the Holy Spirit, that experience that others seem to have, seems to them to have been so meager in comparison, whom a sense of duty has taken over from a response of love. And to them the Lord says, I want to give you rest. That lifting of pressure and disappointment, that recovery of life as God intended it to be for us, that life in all its fullness, that fresh experience of the spirit of love, acceptance, forgiveness, confidence, and purpose. But as always when we think of that, it seems so good to be true. How does it work? And here we see the gentleness of Jesus. We don't need him to tell us, though he does. In verse 29, he writes, take my yoke upon me. So the Lord Jesus' contemporaries, this would have sent a mixed message initially. The yoke of being faithful to the law, as interpreted by the religious leaders of the day, had been an oppressive burden to many. And that's why he says, my yoke is easy and light. A yoke speaks of partnership. We're not doing this alone. It speaks of guidance. He says, learn from me. Means we have to listen and to trust. He says, I'm here to help. It's a gentleness that allows us to be different, frees us from being overwhelmed or uncertain stops us cowering in the corner, aware that somehow we're not actually at the center. Another of the chaplains is I do at the moment is being chaplain to the Lord Mayor of London. And we have a whole lot of ceremonial events every year. And we recently, as some of you would have seen on the news, had a, um, a dinner for the Chancellor of the Exchequer, then Chancellor of the Exchequer, Philip Hammond, and Mark Carney, the Governor of the Bank of England. And all those things, a kind of very grand reception, lots of champagne. Difficult if you're the chaplain who's about to say two graces, one at the beginning, one at the end. It means you watch everyone else having champagne and have elderflower press, eh? And feel pretty cross. And, um, but we always... Um, you know, all the reception was great. We had a wonderful time. When people were taken through to dinner, all 300 and whatever of them, and a few of us went through to photographs in the, in the drawing room. And obviously the photographs were of the great and the good. And, um, and I, together with a whole lot of other bag carriers, was stuck at one end uh, of the room. 
They, of course, looked, these bright young things, looked at this elderly clergyman and thought, oh, well, perhaps it's sentimental, he's related to someone, so he's been asked. So they got on with their exciting uh, conversations about their ambitions and who's in and who's out. You know, I was quite friendly and I felt quite at ease, really, with that and gave my grace a couple of looks. Then as the photographs began to change... Uh, Mark Carney, who I know quite well, who some of you may have heard of, he's governor of the Bank of England, just wandered over and said, Jeremy, how nice to see you. Are you going to pray for us tonight? I said, I am, twice, Mark. He said, well, that's very reassuring as we look around. And we chat away, he said, and you know the chairman of some other bank. And I said, I've not met, but I've obviously seen you in City AM. Anyway, that conversation uh, ended and it's very interesting how as Mark went away to talk to Philip Hammond suddenly the young who had looked at me with disdain gathered round and said aha you know the governor when we allow someone to draw alongside us it changes things It did in a small and almost irrelevant way that night. But Jesus wants to draw near to us, partner with us, teach us, and guide us. It's this quality in the Lord Jesus that gives us the confidence to seek to be more like him. We find we care because we want others to experience more we've learned from the Lord Jesus. We treat others with respect and delight in their gifts, not threatened by them, not feeling we have to score points, but valuing their opinions. We're confident enough with this gentle but strong Jesus to look honestly at ourselves See the times when we've hurt people by not being gentle ourselves, understanding how we did it and how we could have done it differently. We seek a partnership with him in every aspect of our lives, and no freedom that only he can give. A freedom from wrong ambitions, from needing to impress, from using others and not loving them from the sins that eat away at us, from feelings of failure or jealousy, or the arrogance that comes with success. We've realized more and more that what we valued at some times is only part of the picture and isn't worth some of the sacrifices we make for it. I was praying about six weeks ago with a young chap in our own congregation in prayer ministry. He's bright and ambitious and dresses more smartly than anyone I know. Uh, His uh, LinkedIn profile uh, contains every key word that any potentially successful 28-year-old city person needs to put in. And as we prayed, I've had his permission to say this, he said to me, Jeremy, he said, um, doing all right? 
Is I making enough money? I've been in three jobs since graduation. Each time, more responsibility, more cash, more prestige. I said, sounds very good, really. Not very much like me, but I'm sure very good. And uh, he said, I woke up at the weekend, he said, um, and realized that the one thing I'd missed out was making an impact for Jesus Christ. If I'm going to do it, I think I need you to pray now that not only will I make it, but I'll change. We prayed, as you do on these occasions. And um, six weeks later, he appeared in church with his boss. Uh, And they came up to pray. He said, this is my boss. He said, he isn't a Christian. But he's quite impressed by the fact that he thinks I'm beginning to be different and not as arrogant as I was even two months ago. I said, I'm sure you were never arrogant. And the look on his boss's face said, oh, simple priest. (laughs) His boss that day came to faith in Jesus Christ. The young man is reading the Bible with him every week in a meeting room. And that particular young man is understanding that with everything else he's wanted out of life, the thing that impressed his boss was an echo of the gentleness of Jesus Christ. It's a mad thing to think in the heart of the square mile in the middle of the week. But the one to whom one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess him, Lord, is even able to break through those assumptions that guide us day by day in the city of London. Will you today seek a greater intimacy with the one who is gentle, and lowly in heart.